VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, welcome to the Ruck ML special New Year's Eve edition. While most of the rest of the country are on the piss yet again, we've assembled an elite panel of the only rugby journalists who aren't currently in the pub. That's Mio in slot, Steve Jones just beaming with seasonal good cheer despite being overlooked yet again in the Queen's Honours list, and Adam Hathaway, the last ardent leader of the Chris Robshaw fan club. In this refined environment, no one's gobbed at anyone. Bill Beaumont's received a knighthood, but strangely none of us have, and none of us have been aggressively asked outside by a director of rugby and called a f- house. Um, if that last sentence sounds a bit random... Then you haven't been following the travails of Sunday Times and independent journalist Sam Peters, who indeed nearly came to blows with the sale DOR Steve Diamond at the weekend. Scrapper Sam will be joining us from hospital, sorry, no, <laughs> from our Salisbury studios shortly on the show. First, welcome gents. Jonesy, New Year's Eve, can, how do we hug on air so everyone feels the, the warmth? New Year's Eve or not New Year's Eve, we love everyone who listens to The Ruck, and there's so many of them now. We love all our fans and followers. We've got another year of that coming. We look a lot older at the end of the year, <laughs> if that's possible. Uh, Hath, is, I think you look lovely. Thank you very much. So here we are on a kind of look-ahead programme. Uh, what <clears throat> does 2019 hold for your main man, Chris Robshaw? In his injured absence, Harlequins have enjoyed the rise and rise of Alex Dombrandt, a player who, let's face it, no-one had heard of two months ago. But some people now think he might be an England candidate. You sort of wonder, Rob Shaw wither 2019? <clears throat> well, there's no bigger fan of Rob Shaw than, than me. Um, he's got his work cut out to get into the World Cup squad, and he's got his work cut out to get become the first choice for the Queens, because Don Brown's been on fire in the Premiership recently. At England level, we'd probably say that Shields and uh, Mark Wilson are ahead of Rob Shaw. Nowhere near, we'll probably get in the squad, because he's a complete workhorse, and he won't give up his spot, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him make it, but it'll be interesting to see him try. Jonesy, what do you make of Don Brown? You, you were at uh, Twickenham on Saturday, weren't you? Yeah, look, I have to say to uh, to Adam, a workhorse n- ne- will never win the Grand National and he'll never win the Aintree Derby either, and he'll never win at Cheltenham. A, a workhorse, surely. Don't you have to be something better than a workhorse to play rugby for England? <laughs> <laughs> I think he's done pretty well over the last six years. Well, you've got to commend... Well, you've, I think you've got to commend what Jonesy's sort of referring to as his qualities and yet his limitations yeah. at the same time I mean, his, his belligerence and determination and, and his the way he's conquered adversity etc I think it's been amazing well, he Mark, has had over 60 I mean caps had 65 or something over 60 ca- he's had has had some magnificent games but I, I'm, I'm with Jonesy all the way I, I don't think he's in the top two England sixes um, or even close I'd have Michael Rhodes ahead of him as well Well, what about Don Armand Dave Ewers I mean you know um, I I think it's time we we put that one to bed I really do 
that's told me then. <laughs> we'll see is all I can say to that. But Don Brandt, can you see someone coming from so far back with just nine months to go? I can. I'm always slightly suspicious of someone who plays brilliantly in the first six weeks because they've got so long this season to go. I have to say that the lad looked big, tough, he looks quick and he's got a, obviously got a brain. He's come through strongly. I mean, let's be fair, England are not short of, of fantastic sixes, but you could definitely add him, add him to, the, to, to the list. I mean, Harlequins despite all the controversy we're going to talk about in a moment, are at least playing as if they've got a coach. You know, there's someone in charge there, Paul Gustard, obviously, who is improving them as a team. And Don Brandt is definitely um, one of the kind of, what do you call it, startle factors of the new of the, of the first part of the season. Thanks for that, Jonesy. Right, we now actually have on the phone the uh, aforementioned Sam Peters, uh, who, as I mentioned, had had a very uncomfortable meeting with Steve Diamond at the Gloucester Sale game, or after the Gloucester Sale game at King's Home on Saturday. Sale had actually won that game, which was a very, a very big and quite conclusive victory away from home. Steve Diamond didn't seem to be full of the uh, seasonal joys, uh, nevertheless. After the game, he went and did his press and media duties which is uh, standard for directors of rugby post-game. But having done his interviews, he then went and uh, found Sam, who's now on the phone with us. He was pretty aggressive with you, Sam, correct? He kind of came over to me. I was sat right next to the sort of the huddle of journalists, as um, I normally am when I'm working for the Sunday Times and was writing my match report up, listening to what was said, but no immediate imperative to sort of get involved in the actual huddle itself uh, and Diamond is soon with literally you know seconds after the huddle stops he obviously had a other plans and came straight over to me and uh, was immediately pretty in my face and asking why I hadn't asked any questions and then offered me to go outside or invited me outside let's say which I initially declined and then he insisted so uh, yeah in the old school tradition of uh, Taking it outside—that's uh, that's kind of what happened, which was all pretty bizarre. On a well, you it's... say you say old school tradition, but that's not that's not any sort of tradition um, in in rugby anywhere. I'd never experienced anything like this before. Um, not, certainly nothing even close to the extent of this. And but what has been interesting, obviously, since the publicity around it and um, various media outlets chose to cover it as a sort of talking point after the game including the Sunday Times and then following up the next day in the Independent as well but what, what's been really interesting is how many people have come forward publicly and privately and said they've had very similar experiences with Diamond which mm. is obviously pretty disappointing and quite worrying. We should just ex- explain the reason that's, that Steve made a beeline for you is because um, a couple of months ago, September I think it was, you you wrote a very critical uh, column about him, mm-hmm. um, some would call it brave, I thought it was quite brave to take to take on someone like that, in which you said that he um, he was a bully as a DOR, um, and, and this was the first time that you both, that you'd covered a game or, 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 or he'd seen you since then, so yeah. it as if he was waiting for it. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't use the term bully in that piece, okay. although the implication was was pretty clear what I was implying. Um, uh, it was the first time we'd seen each other since. Um, I was very critical of him in that in that article. Um, I think some of his methods, which I heard more and more of um, in recent times, are completely outdated. I think rugby can be better than that than just this sort of mentality of kind of intimidation and um, 
potential sort of physical threats which were evident to me on on Saturday and I think in many many ways vindicated the criticisms that I'd made of Diamond previously I think uh, you know I personally don't really want to be associated or kind of part of a sport where that's that sort of behavior is acceptable and yeah it's just it was just a really disappointing experience all round and uh, one that we can all reflect on as sort of think as being highly regrettable as to what happened when you had gone outside yeah. i mean he 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 didn't he didn't lay a finger on you though did he he was just aggressive and intimidating or well he, or he how, lurched how? forward into a face as soon as he thought he was out of earshot of everyone i taken my dictaphone with me um, when he did invite me outside as I was well aware of the possibility that there was a threat of violence um, I wanted to record whatever was said or done at that period of time um, essentially to cover myself because and to protect myself I saw that as a means of protecting myself uh, he lurched forward into my face as soon as he was out of earshot and called me uh, you know what I've written in the in the papers and um, and you know pretty was pretty uh, robust in how he came forward towards me. He then took my dictaphone, snatched it out of my hand, and then we had this sort of bizarre sort of scenario where he was pretending that he that I was hitting him, which I didn't lay a single finger on him at any point other than to retrieve the dictaphone, which was my property. Um, uh, and then, yeah, things sort of just escalated. I was obviously pretty frustrated and annoyed, and... Um, told him what I thought of him which is uh, I believe he's to him to be a bully mm. and and um the in, in terms of what happens next if if anything is the uh, as I understand it the RFU explained that if there was to be any kind of disciplinary process or investigation or whatever it, it could only be triggered um by someone lodging a complaint against him and that mm. someone would obviously be you um yeah. have, have you had a chance to think about whether you would or whether you wouldn't yeah, I mean, I, I have thought about it long and hard, and lots of people have asked me whether I thought, whether I intended to or intend to pursue this any further. I've, I've decided not to, essentially, on a, you know, following conversations with my wife, my family, people whose opinions I trust uh, enormously, um, and I don't see really what can be achieved. You know, he's got a, a ban hanging out, a suspended ban hanging over him. Potentially, that would be extended to another three weeks um or we'd have to sort of serve that suspended ban um you know i've 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 made it clear what i think i've reported what happened um i can't really see i'm I'm, by the way massively grateful to so many colleagues um not just journalists but players um fans people who've got in touch friends just to offer their support but you know, I'm grateful for that, but I've got broad shoulders as well. And ultimately, I just think this is just something that's happened, and there's not much that can be achieved by prolonging it and essentially just, uh, you know, dragging it through some sort of legal judicial system and having my colleagues and from other newspapers come and bear witness to what happened, which all of them have done in print anyway. So, you know, Sale can do what they want with the situation. And the RFU and Premier Rugby can do what they want with the situation, make their own judgment, and so can the wider public. But mm. I think, as I said in, in comment, in, uh, that it, what happened on Saturday did not change my view of Steve Diamond <laughs> one single job. No, it doesn't sound know. like it would do. <laughs> Jonesy, what, what, what do you, what do you make, make of, all, all, of all this? Well, first of all, um, um, you know, whenever you're a coach and you get a heavy defeat, you always support your team. Uh, that goes for supporting your colleagues and, ju- and journalists as well. 
that is definitely not the way for Steve to go about it. I think that if he or anyone's had a problem, in over the years, of course, people have had problems with all of us. They, they must have done. I, I always respected people who, uh, and admitted I was wrong, should I, should I need to, which, which obviously I should did have to um i usually said look if you're that man i'll come up and see you or um you come down and see me we'll sit down i've done it with dors i've done it with a dor who was uh in heavily involved yesterday and um let's sit down at the end of it we may or may not um agree but the way asking people outside is ridiculous and um i think if steve knew his his journalists um or understood uh, the journalism he he'd realise that um, it's not a question of being anti-sale, uh, uh, anti-him. It, it was originally a question of Sam's affection for the game and his total realisation that the game is in dangerous waters in terms of player safety. And that is what journalism is. And journalism is not there to be smooch people and to smooth things over. It is there to be edgy and to bring up stuff. That That, that is, who else is going to bring it up, you know, and... Um, that's what Sam did, and uh, the number of people in rugby, professional players and DORs, who understand what journalism, journalism is, is absolutely minimal. Adam, have you, have you, um, uh, have you had any dealings that, that compare to that, or, or other DORs who, or, or, or coaches, players, whatever, who have challenged you for, uh, for your views and what you've written? Not, not in rugby. I just um, One thing I would say about this now is that Sam's and Diamond's paths will cross at some point, so let's just hope that Steve Diamond can act professionally. You know, it is a place of work. You don't want to be best mates or go down the pub with them every week. It's basically your office, so let's treat you like one. Jones, you sort you sort of said it. One of the things that you have to acknowledge as a as a journalist is you're not there to to make friends. You're there to to be a reporter. Along the way, you make terrific friends with the people you writing about on occasions. But if you think that's why you're there, then you're in the wrong place. Of course you are. I mean, but, but, you know, it's, it's a question of... Journalists are there to, to bear witness to, to what's happening and to be close to it and, and, and then to, to report back. That's why, you know, people say, for instance, on TV, people have a big issue with Laura Koonsberg, the political correspondent, because she's always on at something. She's always harping at someone. That's what she's there for. That's why Marie Colvin, my colleague on the Sunday Times, died in Syria uh, when she was deliberately targeted by by the Syrian government because she was on the spot reporting she wasn't it wasn't a website guessing what's happening mm. or a podcast it was a journalist killed because she was on the spot right where she should be and doing her best to interpret for the outside world and to to a lesser extent and with far less heroism that's what sports reporters are supposed to do that is actually a critical point that Jonesy just made there you know we are not as sports reporters we you know David Walsh has obviously delivered some of the finest sports news investigative news reporting that's that's happened in our industry with the Lance Armstrong stuff that he did but he makes the point you know we're not fans with laptops that's not our job um we're there to report the truth what we see what we hear what we understand get under the skin of the game and I've always sort of prided myself rightly or wrongly on being willing to to write what I know and you know I've got absolutely no agenda with sail sharks other than to report what I'm seeing and you know, I saw Diamond's behaviour again on Saturday during the game. Gloucester, I know, have had multiple complaints from fans about how he interacted with fans, match officials and other people there at the ground. I wasn't the only one who copped it. I just maybe was a more high-profile figure who had a different means to respond to it. And 
I just think it's so important that people understand that and, and so important to understand that as a, as a rugby club, I've always had a huge amount of affection for Sale, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to blindly support them and ignore what I'm seeing. And uh, I definitely didn't want to write about Steve Diamond when I went up to Gloucester on Saturday. Believe me, I had no intention of writing a Steve Diamond piece at any point. There is an agenda with Sale, as far as I'm concerned. I've always admired them. They're, 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 I think they're a terrific club. They're in a kind of outpost. They're up against Man City and Man United. Who would want to do that? And I think the life and the, and the spirit and the, they've got there, the, the fans that they got are, ter- are, are terrific. So in terms of, there is an agenda in terms of wishing them all the best because it's easy to be... Uh, Bath, easy to be Leicester, it's easy to be Bristol sometimes, but it's difficult to be Sale. But on the other hand, what uh, by by reacting as he did, Steve took uh, the attention away from what was probably their best performance of the season. Mm. Just one one final thought from from me, Sam is is the, your decision not not to pursue it any further. Is obviously, completely personal thing. I just like the way you've taken it, as in sounds like you, you're, you're basically shutting your laptop and saying that that's the end of that. Because, as we've been saying, journalists are best when we're reporting the news rather than trying to be in, in the middle of it. And, yeah. and, and that's, that's what you've done. Yeah, I mean, I, I've got no interest in being in the news as such, Slotty. Like, as I said, I didn't want, I didn't want that incident to happen. Um, it did happen. But, you know, that, on this particular incident, I, the... the as far as I'm concerned, it's it's case closed. But that's not to say if it happens again in the future that I wouldn't report it. I think that is completely newsworthy. Few people have come to me and said, "Oh, that's happened to me in the past," but I didn't see the need to report it. Well, I think you know the world's changed quite a lot. Um, everything, you know, it, again, it was taken out of my hands in many ways because there was obviously video footage of the last sort of 15 seconds of the coming together um, and audio files that other people had recorded but yeah I mean I think it's time to to move on um, and accept that this was a pretty unsavoury incident that didn't do anyone any particular favours uh, least of all Steve Diamond Sam while you're on we're just compiling the assignments for match reporting on Saturday <laughs> we just wanted to know any particular clubs you wanted to cover or, or, yeah, avoid or... Yeah. I, I mean it's pretty obvious where I need to be this weekend I Steve, think so, so if you I could think just, so. just plonk me down in the middle of uh, of the AJ Bell uh, happy days mate I think we can do that with a contingent of special armed services that'll be fine hey listen Sam thanks for coming on thanks for talking it uh, through with us have a happy new year and put it behind you likewise same to you guys happy new year guys this is The Ruck and we'll be back in a minute voiceover describes what's happening on your iPhone screen voiceover on settings so you can navigate it just by listening books contacts calendar double tap to open breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11 and get on with your day accessibility there's more to iPhone this is Paige the co-host of Giggly Squad and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive and June Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box and if you break it down it really comes out to two dollars a manicure which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss welcome back to the ruck okay so the game that sam actually was at was one of was probably the most surprising result of the weekend uh in a unpredictable premiership the weekend that we just had was uh, e- even by current standards fairly extraordinary exeter who were top lost to northampton Gloucester were third, lost to Sale. Wasps were fourth, lost to Quinns and finished in eighth. Even Saracens had to haul themselves back from serious deficit at home to Worcester. So do we think that some kind of pattern is emerging? Is the cream rising or is this just crazy topsy-turvy rugby? Adam? Um, I don't know if it's all very good or pretty mediocre apart from the top two teams. But even on Saturday, I was at Saracens and they were 14 nil down in 12 minutes. For the life of me, I thought they were going to get beaten. If you can predict who's going to finish everywhere between 3rd and 12th, you're a better, better man than me. <laughs> well, I can't work out if, if Gloucester will, will rise again, but it does seem that their stutter has um, coincided with Cipriani's injury. I mean, that's that'd be clear. Yeah. You think that you see um, patterns of... Northampton and Bath sort of gathering themselves but if Bath lost at the weekend to Worcester away I just would not be remotely surprised I, I agree I think there's one thing to bear in mind what a, what a weekend it was fair play this in terms of assessing the strength of the premiership I think the top two and are, are now people are just starting to chase them they're just starting to catch up with them that Northampton gave a, a radically improved performance. I think Bath are much better. But I, I also think that, and, I, and one of my uh, correspondents on Twitter said this, I think the premiership at the start of the season is so, you know, two weeks premiership on, two weeks off, autumn internationals, premiership comes back. I think that there's been a run of premiership games, and I think people are really into it. The crowds are excellent. Holiday crowds are really good. And I, and I just thought, that I, I watched every minute of the highlights, I watched almost every game I taped. I thought it was absolutely excellent. As, as Adam says, you know, Worcester looked winners for, for, for a long time, as did Newcastle. Um, and I thought I thought all the games were terrific. So it is, um, I think Quinns are, are now improving. Um, Gloucester, huge question mark, because that is the sort of game that Gloucester must win. Sail at home, they must win that game. Yeah. And they didn't, <clears throat> and you, you, you kind of, it's it's bizarre. They're still missing some sort of hard nut core in there. Yeah, Gloucester really wasted. Went to Newcastle the week before, won that in the last minute, and really wasted that by yeah. getting beat by Sale. Yeah. Um, the other thing I say is on Bath and Northampton. You know, two weeks ago people were talking about 
Todd Blackadder, how long is he going to last? And now he's the sort of reincarnation of Steve Hansen after winning two games. <laughs> Well, one thing that should be said about Sale is that they're, they're the only team that have made dramatic changes mid-season to their squad, aren't they? I mean, bringing in those the two South African Dupree brothers, I mean, that's that two uh, two fringe Springboks, but they're Springboks nevertheless. I mean, that's that's some that's some major surgery, albeit that they're only there temporarily. But in that time, James O'Connor's come back, and obviously they've had Chris Ashton playing, <clears> so they're they're a very different team to the one that, that kicked off uh, back in September. Oh, definitely, and, and, and definite, uh, definitely better team, and and definitely, definitely different aspirations. And um, you know, good good luck to them. I just hope that uh, they've put they were they were near the bottom, they're pulling away now. They're on the verge of the top six. It is crazy, you know. Two, from two games, you're in relegation. Two games after that, you're in the you know you're in the top six, and you're in Europe, and maybe top four. So it is a crazy season, but actually, it's crazy in a good way. Very entertaining. Sale must be doing something right because Faf de Klerk's just re-signed today. Well, that, that must be doing something right. Yeah. That's that's huge. That's huge. So, Sale um, seems to be sort of permanently on the verge of a, a big, a, a big complete squad, don't they? But I mean, as you say, that Faf, that, the re-signing of the Faf is a real statement. Mm. I, th- I think that um, the, the, one of the problems is that you've got this problem with the, the competing seasons and. Um, um, I think Faf. Uh, no one really knew he'd be back in Springbok contention. He comes to Sale and finds himself there. Owen. He, f- he, f- he found himself, found his form at Sale. Suddenly he's a Springbok again. Then you got this odd thing where they're going back and forth. They're playing for the box one day, then Sale, and Larue was playing for Was one day, then South Africa. Uh, it's v- very, very difficult. It's very difficult, and it, you just wish that they would sort out the season so they didn't overlap. But Faf, Faf to click. You know, people overseas players. They're absolutely wonderful i hate this little england thing oh we want to cut down the overseas players oh guess what we just fielded a squad with 21 england qualified players oh good for you but i, I don't want to watch you look, look on the weekend i'd like to if i was a bristolian and take my my lads down um i, I think blame me i saw charles piertel play today who, who was magnificent i saw john afoa who, who is everything that a foreign player uh, an overseas player should be faf de Klerk, willie larue Blimey, English rugby is not that exciting. We can do without people like that. Well, I love overseas players. Is it, but the, yeah, okay, agree. But there's a limit, though, isn't there? I mean, I, the, I, I, think there is, I think there is a limit. So you, you've mentioned three or four of, of you know global superstars who who, who bring uh, glamour and, and talent and, and wonder to the Premiership. But the, where it where it falls down is when clubs are looking to sign second or third rate foreigners because they don't want to lose because they're, they're nervous about English players and they don't want to lose other English players to Six Nations and International GC. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm against rubbish signings as well whether they're, <laughs> whether they're foreign or home but that's not the point. <laughs> I, mean, I, tell you what, I tell you what just sorry Adam to interrupt there but each club in England has got the facility to have two marquee players who don't encount, don't accounting the salary cap that was specifically put there for global superstars and most of the clubs have fallen down on that and used the money on extra props etc well Charles Pieto good for Bristol for bringing a real superstar into the game yeah the thing is with the journeyman that's what wrecked county cricket um, years ago but talking about these players the best one on display at the weekend was Francois Lowe he was absolutely staggering mm. again uh, for Bath there's, I mean there's been a lot of quality isn't there oh they're it, 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 terrific they're much better than those homegrown wasters. Sorry, I mean, I didn't mean that, but no. They're, they're, uh, look, well, I mean, you mentioned Piertal, Luke Morahan, the, um, the Bristol Wings, been outstanding as well. Well, uh, look, Australia have got a better team 
in Europe than they have in Australia. Yeah. They've got to get these back. Well, so South Africa, yeah. Yeah, well, so, yeah they have. Morahan was, was, has been superb from game one. Game one. And, you know, these guys have got to come back. Also, wouldn't it be lovely if we had this long-awaited uh, amnesty so that likes of Piotr, who've played a piffling number of all-black games, could come back and play for their, 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 their countries of could origin? not agree more. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it, be, wouldn't yeah. it be wonderful? If, Suddenly you'd be transformed overnight in the World, World Cup. If World Rugby could address that eligibility issue uh, between now and the World Cup, it would, Japan would be heaven. Exactly. It'll be, be fantastic. Then the Islanders would be right up there. Um, Rocco Daguni, bring him back in a Fijian shirt. Yep. Mm. Uh, Billy Vanapola could play for. <laughs> Calm down, he's not Vanapola. Honestly. <laughs> right, well, let, let's go on to the other issue in inverted commas of the weekend. The um, the Twickenham game, you were at uh, Jonesy, Was Quinn's. A lot of the talk afterwards, again, was not necessarily about the rugby, but uh, about Dave Ward, the Harlequins hooker. He was shown a yellow card for stamping on Thomas Young. Uh, the very next day, Harlequins uh, publicly uh, issued, a, issued a public statement, which where they banned him a match for, uh, gave him a one-match ban for the stamp. Um, but uh, but the incident which um, which drew far more uh, attention was uh, well, can we call it Gobgate? It, they, TV footage suggested that he spat at Thomas Young. The sighting commissioner looked at it and uh, I gather spoke to both teams and decided afterwards that there wasn't enough evidence to pursue uh, the case. So case closed. Uh, Dave Ward uh, insists that he didn't spit at anyone and never would do. Uh, uh, and that's where we are. You were at the game, Steve. Well, the, the, the public rela- relations shutters at uh, Harlequins uh, went up and down with a huge rapidity, which always... It makes me slightly uh, suspicious. At the game, um, immediately it uh, happened with the naked eye. Uh, three or four of us together said he spat at him. We then um, uh, have a, a facility for replay after replay. And um, the man with on the replay for us, I think we all watched it probably 12 times. And it was uh, personally, it was absolutely clear to me that, um, that Dave Ward had spat in the direction of uh, a prone wasp player. You could see the saliva ejecting from his mouth and it definitely landed on the player. Now, um, uh, did he mean to do it? The, the, the game was already stroppy. People, There were a lot of verbals coming over the ref link, a lot of pushing and shoving and bitterness and aggression. You know, that that is what I saw. Um, no one can judge... Um, no one can judge intent in something like that i have to say that when you spit you have to be really careful that it is at the right time and not when there are prone bodies beneath you harlequins did what leicester always used to do when they suspected one of their players was in trouble in terms of discipline they immediately issued a ban themselves knowing that it would be less than the actual ban should the whole thing have come to court as it were the the stamp was not a stamp he merely pushed he he pressed his his foot briefly on uh, a, a, an opposition player. There was no actual downward stamp. He placed his foot right. on it, which was silly, but I think that that, that would easily... It would be easy to get away with that with sending off sufficient. And the fact that Harlequins made such a big thing of it strikes me that they were very worried about the wider implication of a long bang for spitting. 
Adam, what's your take on this? Cause for, for me, what's confusing, I haven't seen 12 replays of this, is though it, you know you could say, oh, that it's being swept under the carpet or whatever, but it, the, the disciplinary process in the Premiership and the RFU, you, you cannot say that they have a history of being soft this season. I mean, that they have a history of being in, inconsistent. You can certainly say that, but they, they, they don't let people go if they think they're guilty. Well, I can't, I can't quite work, work it out because um, I've only seen the the, the um, replays. I wasn't actually at the game. This uh, sort of one match ban that they gave him for stamping. If they, if Steve says that's not that serious, have they done him out of a match? His own club. Well, I think they, I think they have done. They could well have done him out of a match. They could well have. Look, if if you're going to take the action suspending, make it a big suspension. Otherwise, it looks like a total token ruse. Because presumably the sighting officer thinks there's nothing in the stamp. So they didn't have to ban him for that. Now he thinks there's nothing in the So gob- they didn't need the to ban him for the stamp. I mean, no. he, he, well, look, well, you say it's not a stamp. I mean, he, he copped it at the time. He's got a yellow card for it. Yes, he has. But, but n- no, they've cost him a game. Yeah. They've cost him a game. Uh, Buster White, the sighting officer in question, was a fantastic player. And... Um, had he been a sighting officer then, he would have sighted himself in many, in many games. But uh, I think it's slightly odd that a grand old wasp like Buster, not not saying he's, un- he's, he's biased in any way, uh, should, should be appointed to that game anyway, because justice should be seen to be done. But there, there we point. are. I thought that was a strange appointment too. Hmm. OK, we, we're going to do a bit of uh, predictions, what's to come. Uh, I suppose it's, in some cases it's a bit of a guessing game. But anyway, here we go. Number one, who will win the World Cup? Uh, New Zealand. Okay, well, I'm going New Zealand as well. I don't think New Zealand will win. I think it'll be very tight between them, Ireland, and possibly a bolter such as Wales or France. Name one World Cup upset. I'm going to nick yours because we were talking about this in the car yesterday. Um, In in Paul Paul D, there is Fiji over there, and they've got games against Australia and Wales. One of them is potential, potential upset. And Japan are the host nation... It'd be very nice to see the host nation get into the knockout stages like it was in the football this year. Um, what about the fancy their chances of turning over Scotland? I think that's doable. I think there's a big chance of an upset in England's pool. I think England could qualify for the, for the quarterfinals. <laughs> <laughs> um, on that Wales, Australia, Fiji group, uh, Fiji, because they're a, a team that don't spend much time together, uh, get stronger as they go through a yeah. tournament. So Australia are lucky to get them first. Wales get them last, so I think Wales could be vulnerable there. Um, and I don't know if you could call it an upset, but the one I was going to mention, uh, um, given that Adams pinched the, uh, the, the <laughs> my first choice upset, uh, would it be an upset if South Africa beat Ireland in the quarterfinals? Certainly doable, and everyone seems to assume that on, Ireland are on, going to be on, in the final. On current form, it's an, it's an upset, yeah. South Africa are going to get all their players together. There'll be no one buzzing off to play yeah. club rugby. Teams like South Africa and Argentina and Fiji tend to be much better at World Cups. Who will be the outstanding player of the World Cup? I've got James Ryan of Ireland. My outstanding player of the World Cup? Sorry. Okay, well, Steve's this. thinking, my outstanding player of the World Cup is Conor Murray. I think I think we I think we 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 put so much emphasis on uh, Johnny Sexton's contribution to that outstanding Ireland team, but Conor Murray I think is just wonderful. He's the tempo, he, he's the heartbeat, and he's a very very clever nine. Mine would be Billy Vunapola, given a following wind and some injury free years. People forget how influential Billy was in terms of carrying uh, when he was at his peak. I would love that Billy would be at his peak 
uh, for the World Cup because then I think he'll be he'll, he'll be tremendous for England. Good. Who gets relegated from the Gallagher Premiership? Anyone from third to ten, uh, third to twelfth, as you were just saying. My gut says that Newcastle will nick some results and Worcester will go down. I, I tell you what, Owen, this is strength of this league, you know, there's some great clubs there, and I know it's an easy thing to say, but whoever goes down will be too good to go down. But I have to say this as well, I agree with Adam, but Worcester are potentially a great club, but off the field they've got it wrong. In their in their coaching appointments and their administrative appointments, and I think I do fear for them because I think Newcastle can sneak enough wins from away from home. But I, I think Worcester are a great club as well. Well, I agree with both of you. I think uh, well, it's obviously tight, but um, Worcester would be well, a pick from anyone. But they're my tip to go down. And who will win the Heineken Cup? If as long as they get all their all their boys fit, Saracens will win it. Um, because Leinster, don't forget, lost in Toulouse. There's a danger they won't even get a home quarter-final. They played every knockout game at home last year. Leinster um, play every game at home, whatever, don't they? Yeah, um, apart from the final, obviously. Uh, Saracens are still spitting about what happened last year and recognise that they uh, lost it in the pool stages, which gave them the way quarter-final, which could happen to Leinster this time. The other, t- other team is Racing 92. I, I think Racing 92 or Saracens, definitely. Um um, it'd, be, it'd be nice for Racing to, to, to be as good as they can be and um, but um, Saracens if they're all back and firing uh, I think they're, they're just class just class and they're bloody nasty as well love to see a Leinster Saracens final I, th- I, I, I agree with you I think, yeah. I think Leinster will have to come through in a way quarter final but I, I think they're good enough to do that oh they're good enough to do that definitely but um, I just think Saracens at the very when both they're both straining at the leash I think Saracens are really really powerful Okay, just a reflection on on what the hell's going on with the England team. Uh, Who will be England's number 15 at the World Cup? Um, Will be Anthony Watson, should be Anthony Watson. If they did it on merit, uh, it would be Alex Good. Uh, But Anthony Watson, I like the idea. Okay, I think it will be uh, Anthony Watson. But for the first time in three years, I'm wondering if Alex Good is actually the answer. Who will be England's number six at the World Cup? England's number six will be Brad Shields. It should be... Chris Robshaw, obviously, but <laughs> Mark Wilson. You are lovely. I like Alex. I like Don Brandt. I, I, I really like something about him, and I think uh, I think he's got a great chance. Really? Yeah. Bolter. Yeah. Okay. I think it will be uh, Brad Shields, and I would like it to be Michael Rhodes, but it's not going to be him. Um, he's completely fallen off the uh, off the radar of uh, of the England coach. And finally, who will be England's number twelve? I think it'll be Owen Farrell. I think Eddie will go back to the Ford and Farrell, especially the way Ford's playing at the moment. I think it'll be Ben Teo. However many matches he plays or doesn't play for Worcester, I think it'll be Teo. I think it'll be Manu. I think he's just desperate for Manu to get there. Um, he's got to teach him to pass, though. Yeah. Um, well, just a small, just one of the, just a small thing. Yeah, yeah it's just mm. a minor incident. Finally, we tend to wrap up uh, the Rut podcast uh, by giving a nomination for God or Goddess of the Week but given the uh, rugby knighthood the aforementioned Bill Beaumont uh, we'll just go through the panel and ask for a nomination for if not Bill who should have got the knighthood or the damehood well this is impossible I always slate the honour system um, I noticed that Willie John McBride only got a CBE to Bill's knighthood but obviously Bill's done more in the admin roles um, one bloke former Lion and former Lions coach who does services journalism every year who should be knighted is Jim Telfer because 
the week of the Calcutta Cup, we have a race between the hacks to see who can get hold of Jim first so they can <laughs> slag off the English. <laughs> <laughs> Services to journalism. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I, I'm going to go next cause, uh, because I really want to hear Steve's answer. Okay. Um, my, my night will go to Doddy Weir, who I think is yeah, just, just being magnificent. I'm not going to talk for hours uh, uh, upon the subject because uh, if you are on the planet and interested in rugby, you will know um, what he's going through and how amazingly he has dealt with it. Um, so, so Doddy Weir, arise. Good one. Steve. Well, listen, I'm so pleased for Bill. First, if, if, if Bill hadn't got it, my, uh, my idea would have been Bill, but he has got it. Um, I think Sir Nigel Ray sounds good because not only has he breathed life into a rugby club, he's made them a magnificent figure in the community. He's created Saracens High School, all sorts of other things for the underprivileged. Uh, I mean, what what a man. Um, also, um, Sir, Sir Andy Gould has got a ring to it uh, for service to journal- journalism. <laughs> he's continually lecturing us on what journalism is. Um, we're all um, absolutely um, goggle-eyed when we when we watch him in action. I think uh, Sir Andy, for everything he's done for us, um, probably wouldn't give up his day job. But um, can, can we just just explain? We're talking about Andy Good, the, um, the barrel-chested ju- former Newcastle yeah. Wasps, Leicester, Worcester, Worcester. professor of journalism. Uh, uh, occasionally, England fly half, um, yeah. but but now um, he we co- call it broadcasting. Yeah, you can download it anyway. Well, apparently on his podcast, the only time they ever got a story with Joe Marler, they all panicked. They didn't follow it through, and then they criticised all the journalists for following it through. So there we are. That's a new approach to journalism, and we must bear this in mind. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, this is New Year's Eve, and we all need to get to the pub. Uh, thank you very much, Jonesy. Thank you, Adam. Uh, we wish all our listeners the very best for 2019. Yeah, yeah. We will be back next Monday and every Monday thereafter. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.